you put like, any vegetable in front of me except for tomato. I fucking hate those things. You hate tomatoes? I hate tomatoes. Like even ketchup? I I'll eat ketchup. That is tomatoes. Yeah, but it's different. <laughs> I feel like that's that was right, like taste, me when I was twelve years old. Take a bite out of tomato and then take a sip of ketchup. They're different. Exposure podcast. This is uh, we actually don't have a name for this yet. So this is the pilot episode. Uh, we're at Cole's house, and uh, Cole's our guest today. In my house. <laughs> in in Cole's house. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Cole, give us a little uh, intro, just who you are and uh, what you do. Hey everyone, my name's Cole. Um, I take uh, photos for the hardcore scene and the metal scene here in Calgary. Um, and Edmonton and pretty much anywhere you want, but, um, mostly just in Calgary and Edmonton. Um, yeah, just been taking photos and doing art and, uh, screen printing and, uh, pretty much anything I can to help, uh, help out the scene and the way I can. Um, just been doing that for the past five years or so, um, mostly with photography, but, uh, screen printing and, um, the art I've been doing for, yeah, a while too. Sweet. So let's uh, let's take it a little ways back and just kind of do your hardcore origin story. So okay. <laughs> how did you uh, get into listening to heavier music and uh, and just like the scene in Calgary in general? Um, so I guess I kind of just got into heavy music when I was younger. Uh, my my uncle showed me a lot of like old school metal. Um, I was super into um, just like Iron Maiden and like metallica and megadeth and you know all the classics uh um and then eventually just got into the other genres that that kind of music spawned and um got into hardcore probably when i was in high school um i was into shitty music as well but uh (laughs) when i got into hardcore i guess one of the first shows i ever went to was a withdrawal show here in calgary and uh i just remember just how insane it was and i had never seen anything like that before um it was at the new black and that was an older venue but uh um, you know who was playing that show? It was. Withdrawal? Uh, no, I don't. I I just went for with, withdrawal because that was one of the few bands that I had, had known. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was when Cody Dewald and uh, Jay Bones were were oh, playing right. in it. Yeah, so it was right. it was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah that's, that band is very very old. Yeah. Now yeah, they've been ripping it. Yeah. <laughs> for a long time. Um. So you're wildly known in Calgary for taking photos of all the hardcore and metal bands. Um, how did you get into photography in general? Um, I'd say that I kind of just got into photography by just seeing other people's work and, uh, just wanting to create things, I guess, is one of the main things I've always wanted to do is just create stuff with, uh, various techniques, um, whether it be like art or photos or screen printing or anything like I, I don't usually stick to just one thing, so I like to do various things um, and create in multiple ways. Cool, and and we actually had to redo over the podcast because we were <laughs> we were getting some audio stuff. But you were mentioning that your uh, the first show that you took photos at was a mortality rate show. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So when I first started getting into photos, um, it 
I, I think the first band that I ever took photos was probably Snake Pit. Um, and that was before I knew any of them. That was before I knew anyone, really. I think one of my only friends here in the scene was, was Chad. Um, and both him and I were both new to the scene. We were both young guys. Um, and, yeah, just just taking photos at – or just bringing my camera, I guess, was the first thing. I didn't even – had never taken photos at a show before. Um, if you look back at them, they're they're horrible. They're <laughs> – um, the lighting, they're they're unedited. I think I just edited them in Photoshop that I I just messed with the brightness and contrast. There was no um, actual editing to them. And uh, I think I was using my Canon T3i uh, Rebel. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty, like, starter camera, I guess. Um, yeah. It Everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah, that's I guess that's, that's true. Um, yeah. Yeah, what, one of the questions I had was, um what's your current setup but also maybe talk about how that evolved over time because i think a lot of the, the times either people uh will you know start taking photos of bands with like a starter camera like a t3i or yeah you know even like i've, I've seen some people taking photos like i guess nowadays you can do it all with your phone mm-hmm. and it's like really good quality um but either they either don't get started because they're like oh like you know, people nowadays are, they have like a really like crazy camera, like any of the Sonys or, yep. you know, any like that. So maybe talk about like your beginner setup and then kind of where you are now and okay. um, that range of uh, improvement and experience yeah. in between. Um, yeah. So I had a, a Canon T3i Rebel was my first camera. Um, I think I just had a, a, like the stock um, 50 mil um, lens that it comes with. Um, I think I eventually had bought like a, a cheaper fisheye, um, which I started shooting shows with. And if you look back at some of my earlier photos of mortality rate, um, you can see the the fisheye and how bad I didn't edit the the sides of it and then and the so flash. Was, like, I, I didn't. Ha- yeah, and I didn't yeah. have an external flash. I was just using like the top piece flash, and oh, okay. um, so it left like a a big black piece underneath the the photo every single time right. I would take a photo. So it was just like you'd see all on sides and then there was just like this huge piece that was just always underexposed and it was horrible. It was horrible. Um, so now I'm using a Canon 5D Mark II. Um, I have a few different lens, uh, but right now I'm using another fisheye lens, which I just got. Um, yeah, pretty recently. Yeah. I got it for Christmas. Not too long which ago. Which is that? A um, yeah, it's the Sigma. I think it's, uh, I can't even remember right now. I think it's, uh, six mil i can't i can't remember i'd have to go and check yeah but it's pretty it's pretty wide um i love it um just been seeing a lot of different work from people lately just like uh i guess a few few people that i can name that i take inspiration from would be like angela owens or um like eric easterday uh are a few of my favorite photographers yeah and i i think also like i've seen some um similarities to like even like rick from capture the oh yeah 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 i love his stuff yeah Yeah, because he shoots with a 15 millimeter or something oh yeah maybe that's what it was a 15 mil yeah yeah because i think if it was a six it would be like a super fisheye like with oh with the full circle yeah that would be nice i want to get another one can do with the hood yeah yeah i can put the hood on but it it still crops it a bit i think it still has a little bit of a a crop on the circle and i think like angela owens uh work 
like that's very apparent for me as far as what i've seen because you do lots of like black and white yeah stuff. yeah she's um, like the goat of black and white yeah <laughs> did you um did you shoot in color before and then go to black and white or you've always kind of done the black and white um yeah i've always just kind of done the black and white thing it was just my my jam i've just always been into like darker kind of um art and um darker looking things i just love metal and horror movies and everything disgusting so um yeah i've just always been into like that kind of just darker style of things uh i i'll do like color stuff if people ask but um i always just kind of edit and do most of my stuff in black and white yeah yeah you're not here to to make things necessarily look pretty it's just to make it look like crazy or evil or whatever yeah i however yeah i like to kind of put my own kind of take on things and my own kind of style on it yeah um yeah because originally um when we didn't live in the same city because i'm from winnipeg i was like watching a lot of your stuff kind of like from a distance um and you were doing a little bit of video as well um but not as much anymore yeah, no, <laughs> not since you're here. You're the, you you taking it, yeah. taking it that. But that's a <laughs> well. It's not because I'm here and it's like oh no. I no, you're it. you're the you're good at it. That's why you're doing it though. So it's yeah. uh thanks, man. I uh, used to do it with just my camera, like the DSLR, um, and like a, like it it got good video, but the audio thing, I never took any any of the the steps that you've taken to do um, audio at shows like Liam or or anything like with the H fours and. Uh, or the Zoom um, the H4N Pros. Yeah, and that can really like make or break a set sometimes. Yeah, and I think um, audio is super important for for that kind of stuff. So like, if you look back at any of the videos I've taken, the audio is just blown out to shit, and like it's it's cool looking, but like you can't really hear anything. And like when people come and watch the the videos, you want to be able to like at least tell like what they're playing, right? Like you're not you don't want to just I don't know. I guess it's kind of cool to see people flailing around and and stuff like that but they're playing music so you should be able to tell what they're playing yeah one of the first shows that i remember attending in calgary was um it was the mortality rate uh sleep deprivation release and i drove out for that and i remember uh i don't think we were necessarily friends at that point or i think i knew who you were but we never like we haven't talked yet Yeah. yeah and uh i was having some issues with um one of my SD cards or something like that. And um, I remember you took some videos of uh, withdrawal and mortality. Oh, yeah. That was and probably the last few yeah, videos I've taken. Yeah. I think this was, bef- this was well before Scoped, but I think mm-hmm. I was like just starting to film sets. Yeah. And yeah, I didn't because I was having issues and I was getting frustrated. So I just put my camera down. Um, and then I, I would watch back at some of your videos and they're like, yeah, the audio was like, <laughs> I was like terrible just, yeah. like the whole time, <laughs> but it was still nice. Cause I was like, I wanted to go back and like relive those. Yeah. They're kind of cool to watch back if you yeah. can look at them. Some of them are pretty, especially cool. like seeing withdrawal because they're not a band that comes to Calgary like very often anymore. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Um, so kind of getting a little into another topic. I know, um, Lots of people know you for your photo stuff, but not as many people know you for um, your graphic design and your screen printing. So what are, and I, I know because we're friends, that you're kind of leaning more into that nowadays versus doing photos all the time. Yep. So what are like 
um, you know, some of the things of where you got those skills and what are the, what are some of the things you're doing now to, you know, execute on them for bands or, or for yourself? Because I know you run a bunch of different projects. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess I've just kind of like, I've always been into into art and um, mostly like metal art, um, especially like album. Album art is like one of my my biggest things in in anything um just the the differences that people can do in the different art styles and paintings and all that different kind of just like aesthetic in in the metal um kind of side of things has just always been super intriguing to me um I've always wanted to just um create things like that and like t-shirts is one of the best ways that that's kind of just been around um yeah and I've been collecting shirts since I can remember. Um, if you go downstairs into my room, I probably have over a hundred different metal shirts. Yeah. Um, I still collect them, even though I freaking screen print them every day. Um, yeah, I just I love t-shirts. I love art, um, and that was just something that I kind of just got into. Um, I guess uh, with the drawing side of thing, I kind of just picked up a pencil and and started just drawing what came to mind. I was never really good at it. Um, yeah, and then I kind of got into different kind of, like, styles of art and using photography to, to do different kind of, um, art styles and pieces for people. Um, and now I don't really do much of the drawing stuff anymore. I have an iPad now that I've been kind of just working with lately. Um, yeah, and then for screen printing, um, it was the same kind of thing, like, I never knew how to do it. No one ever taught me how to do it. I just was like, hey, I want to try doing this. I'm going to go buy a starter set from... On the, my parents actually got me a starter set for, uh, for Christmas. Um, it, it's the press that I'm still using currently, actually. Um, but yeah, I just picked it up. And this is back in the day, probably like three years ago, um, when Setback was still a band. But we had tried... My first shirts ever that I tried printing were for Setback. And if you look back at those shirts, they're absolute trash like the, the, the emulsion on them on the sh- on the screen came off um so all the prints are different it was like oh it was so bad they're they're just the worst looking shirts yeah um but yeah i kind of just got in into it through that um eventually started going to this place stanley's where um i would get all my screens made um they would i wouldn't have to do any of the emulsion or anything myself and i would just get them to do it um and it would just come out way better uh because I didn't have to get like the the light table and all sorts of the other um, machines that you would need to kind of get that kind of set up for yourself. Sure. Um, and then after that, I eventually applied there, and a month later, I got a job. Um, so I, that's where I'm currently working. Um, I've been learning a lot about screen printing and the different um, techniques that you can do, and the different inks and um, the different sides of printing and like there's just it's a whole different world that I kind of got into um and then personally that made my uh ritual threads a lot more just like higher quality I've been pumping out a lot just like better stuff and um yeah the the quality of my stuff has just increased a lot so and ritual threads is like your screen printing little side hustle kind of company right yeah so um yeah I kind of like just started that with my my friend Frank actually a while ago um, that I play in Snake Pit with now. Um, 
yeah, he and I just uh, had started doing that. Um, that was back in the Trap House days, which was a, an old venue um, that a lot of my videos were actually from. Yeah. Um, Did you take photos while you were at the Trap House, too? Yeah, there's photos from that. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, Maybe talk about the Trap House really quick okay. for anyone who doesn't know what that is. Okay, so uh, so a few years ago, there was um, a lo- like a house in um, Mount- the Montgomery area um, that a few other delinquents and I lived at, lo- lived in, um, <laughs> no, I love those guys, but, um, yeah, we all, we all lived in this house and we threw house, house shows in the, in our basement, which, um, we had a nice big spot in the basement. It was a pretty big area. Um, we didn't ever get noise complaints or anything, but we threw like shows there every month or so. And it wasn't like, there was always like a pretty good turnout. There was like, I think the biggest one we had was like a New Year's Eve one, and um, there was over a hundred kids that showed up, and it was it was wow. crazy, yeah. And yeah, like, what's the cap? Do you think as far like I know it's not an official venue, so there's not like an official yeah, <laughs> like uh, attendance cap, but yeah, like how many people do you think you could fit safely in, uh, in that base? Safely, it was probably around a hundred. Um, actually, I don't know if that's safe at all, but. Um, <laughs> Who knows? I actually don't know. I just remember that one show was just ridiculous, and there was a lot of kids, and the cops never came, surprisingly. So that's and, cool. And I saw some videos from that, but it's um, it, it's kind of hard to map out like how things were laid out. So um, was it like unfinished or yeah? Like, how so was the... it was a it was an unfinished basement. It had like just like cement flooring. Um, yeah, there was no. We had a couple couches down there. It was just all unfinished sides, and all the walls were unfinished. Um, surprisingly, like the 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 sound didn't carry very much though. Like, and like if we had the door closed, like right. there wasn't like you could be outside and you could obviously hear bands playing, but it wasn't like oh my god, there's people throwing this crazy party here. Yeah. But people were outside, and I'm very surprised the cops never came. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, so, it was cool. So what? So. What's what was the reason why shows don't happen there anymore? Obviously, you don't live there anymore. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like a a rundown house, and like um, there was a, just like a lot of people, like a lot of a lot of the homies were living in there, and it was just a lot for all of us to be there at once, and sure, um, and continuously be putting shows on there, and a lot some of us had other issues, and like some people had personal issues with things, and um, yeah some people just wanted to move on and go on to different move move other places or work issues and stuff like that so eventually the place just yeah we just left so is it still like standing today yep yeah i I, I drive by it every once in a while to see if it's still like normal but yeah it looks (laughs) like there's people there living there and everything which is yeah maybe like (laughs) don't put on shows there no i don't think any shows happen there anymore no that's (laughs) that's too bad yeah and that's a that's a cool thing about what we do is from the archiving standpoint is that if shows stop or if there's, you know, uh, if there's reasons why shows can't happen at a venue anymore, at least you, you kind of preserve things through photos or video. Um, mm-hmm. I know a, a venue that we always shot up in Edmonton uh, was the the KEP Small Hall. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was a great, like, all-ages venue. For real. And, uh, yeah, I think is they just had too many noise complaints and no, shows don't happen there anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know I think, it was actually closed. I think that's what, like, it's still open, obviously, but like, they said no more shows. 
Because hmm. I think a lot of the time when bands would play, um, or at least sound check, like it's like right in the suburban like area. Yeah, that's true. So like the doors would be open, and then people would be like, "Meh, who are these? Who are these kids? <laughs> Who's this? Turn down that racket. Turn it down." But yeah, that was like a really small, um, perfect for hardcore shows. Yep. Um, really cheap to rent too. So. Yeah. That so be, as that's, as that's a cool place. I guess what I was trying to say is like, even though it doesn't happen anymore, it's nice to have those sets to be able to look back and remember that. I know there's like venues back in Winnipeg when I wasn't shooting shows that I kind of wish I had some, you know, footage of, um, like the grave or even like the purple room. Uh, the purple room was a place that we always had like, uh, like Sunday matinee shows. Okay. So like started at like two and then ended at like seven and you're like, sweet, I can go home and like have dinner. Versus like going to like yeah. a hardcore show and then that's way, I like that kind you of get hoping at like eleven. <laughs> um, so one thing I wanted to to ask you on the uh, the printing side, um, obviously that's a big passion of yours and like you know now it's what you're doing for your job. Mm-hmm. Um, what's maybe a misconception that you can um, break about screen printing as a whole? Because it's definitely interesting. Uh, on a music industry side nowadays where yeah. bands don't really make money off their actual music. Right. But they might, you know, make money off their brand, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's through shirts or other kinds of merchandising. Um, so for you, like, what are, you know, some things as far as designing um, that bands or maybe, you know, people who are just, like, getting into music or, you know, people who run a record label um, where they don't think about from the design or, you know, the designer aspect. of things. Yeah. Like if there's anything in the process that people aren't thinking about. Um, well, I think a lot of people just assume that like you take a design and then you can just put it on a shirt or like, you can just like, it, it's just a simple thing. Um, it's all about the colors. It's all about how many colors are on the shirt, obviously. And like the design, like if you have just a black, like a lot of people get, a lot of people think that black and white and gray is like black and white. Like if you just have a black and white picture of like anything, they think that that's just like two colors or whatever. But really it's like all the shades of gray, all the shades of black and all the shades of white that all blend together. So that's, there's so many different spectrums of colors and a lot of people don't understand that. Um, So I guess that's a big issue. Um, But I think it, that's just like a newbie kind of thing. Like anyone that's ever ordered shirts or get got designs for shirts, they would kind of understand the kind of process that it. not all designs can be printed and like you have to kind of like simplify them in sure. certain ways. Um, yeah. yeah, so like you can get like 10 color or 12 color shirts, but... Um, but you need special equipment to do that level. Correctly, yeah. Yeah, you need... Because you primarily do like single color on, you know single colored shirts yeah single color shirts uh any any color shirts any color ink but as long as it's just the single color that's that's all i can do currently um if you wanted to do four colors you need to do or two and higher you have to have a four color press or two color press or whatever how many color press and then you need to have the proper heating equipment for it which requires quite a bit of money you need to have a a heat a heat press for the the separate colors because you have to heat cure the the color as as you print it um and then when you get to the end of the the shirt when all the colors have been printed you have to put it through a dryer 
which cures it to the proper temperature, which does the final curing of the inks. Right. Um, so all that equipment is pretty pricey. I have a four-color station right now, which I got a year ago, and I would love to get it set up, but I just need to get the, the dryer. So sure. that's uh, that's a, the next step and, for myself. And how much is that, um, the dryer and the four-color? Uh, um, so I think I paid around two grand for the four-color station, or the four-color one station, because you can get multiple stations on a, on a press, so you can be sure. printing okay. more than yeah. one shirt at a time, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of just one person doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. And then I also need to get the dryer, which will cost around, I, I need to get a good one. So it's going to be like six grand wow. or, or so. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And and that takes up some space as well. Yeah. That's another issue. Um, so I've been, I don't have a shop where I print, like I don't have like a rented spot where I, sh- I, I print out of. I, my, my parents' place actually, they have a pretty big basement up in, up in Bear's Paw. So they're graciously letting me print in their basement. Um, but yeah, if I wanted to get the the dryer, it needs to have proper ventilation. Yeah. So I can't just another. be printing um, thousands of shirts in, with this massive dryer exhausting yeah. fumes out of <laughs> it in like their left, basement. You're just laying on like cement, just yeah. like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure my my dad would help me out and like maybe do some sort of ventilation thing, or he could like I don't know. Down the line, I I need to just get a shop and step my game up and and. But right now it's mainly like you have um, a single color and then you don't have to do any driving co- drying in between because it's a single color and you just hang them up. Um, Is that correct? Uh, so I used to do it that way um, when I was printing with water-based. Okay. Um, so I would just have these uh, like hang dryers and I would, just, I would just put them up on the lines and I would let them all hang. Um, come back the next day, they would be they'd be feel like fully cured because that's with water-based but um normal screen printing um for most style of shirts um is printed with plastisol ink which doesn't cure and doesn't dry ever so if you were to get it on anything and not cure it it would stay wet and it would stay in its in its form until you cured it oh okay so yeah if i were to like put a little piece of plastisol ink on you by accident by just say it just dropped or something and you didn't notice it it would mm-hmm. literally just smear everywhere and it would never dry unless you had cured it oh okay um so yeah so like basic shirts like this is all printed with uh plastisol ink this is plastisol ink yeah so that was all cured um with a nice heat press so i have a, a flash cure which is what you're supposed to use in between colors so you'd print a color and then flash it so you'd you're doing a, the term of gelling, I guess, so you're not fully curing. You're just getting it to that temperature where you can print another color on it without it smearing on the back side of the other the other screens, mm-hmm. um, but not f- fully curing it to the point where it's con- uh, completely finished, if you know what I mean. Oh, okay. Um, so I have the flash cure, but since I'm doing single color stuff, I can do the flash cure and I can bake it to 320 degrees, which is the final temperature you need to get it to, to be fully cured. Um, so I've just been doing single, single color stuff with plastisol inks, um, uh, with the, with the flash cure. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, and then like, I guess the unsaid thing of all this is like the actual amount of time it takes to yeah. you know do that. So I know like, you know, if I was just like, Hey Cole, I want to do like, you know, 30 shirts, you know, mm-hmm. single color, or single design, you know, just the front, like how much time, you know, you don't have any other shirts or or work to do like yeah. like from start to finish um so 30 shirts wouldn't take me that long like if it's just the front of a shirt like i can i can print all 30 
in within an hour at least or shorter okay. um it's just the drying part too like it it's basically if you have a lot of money you can get those dryers and like when you're done printing your shirt you would just throw it on the dryer and it has a conveyor belt and it just sends it through and it completely bakes it so it pretty much eliminates the whole flashing thing that i'm doing so after sure. i'm done printing i have to go to you're each shirt skipping a process yeah and i pretty much have First to take another yeah. it's pretty much twice as long to to do the drying part of it which sucks um but that's just my fault for not having the the proper dryer for it or yeah six grand um, just kicking yeah it. <laughs> yeah i guess that too um but down the line that will save me a lot of time and um that'll be super handy and i, I can't wait to get into to the four color stuff because that will just i'll get so much more business and mm-hmm. i've already there's already been so many people that are like oh come on like you don't have four color or like you can't do two color it's like <laughs> fuck it's like it takes time and it's it like, costs money yeah i have the, i have the press which is also really killer because i just i got it last year and i haven't even set it up yet because i can't even use it so it's like yeah yeah eventually though eventually. i can't wait yeah yeah um i know another thing that uh you kind of show on your instagram sometimes is you do bootleg shirts oh yeah um no i don't no no he doesn't (laughs) so if you were doing that hypothetically um like what how'd you get into or not get into that um i guess just like if i was doing like horror bootlegs um just yeah just always been into horror shirts and horror movies i guess um and trying to find a shirt that you personally enjoy um about a movie is hard because a lot of like movie shirts are super cringy if you know what i mean like they're like just like hideous like and the designs are always just like weird and like not cool um so i guess like i just with bootlegging like i kind of like most of the time it's like just designs that i can't find or like i'll always go and buy a shirt regardless like if it's a band i like like i i'm the first one to spend money and actually support that band but um it's like things like like the horror shirts like um and like some of the bands like i've only done a couple bands and it's just like death metal old death metal bands that aren't even playing anymore or like bolt thrower is one of them is a pretty well-known bootlegged band um yeah just like making shirts so i can wear them myself so i don't have to spend ridiculous of insane amounts of money on the og versions on yeah because like like rare shirt i i think i was like looking up um like vintage uh or just like older shirts for Mm -hmm. like slipknot and like they'll go like for crazy money on like ebay and how much is a slipknot shirt going for oh like easily hundreds of dollars yeah i guess for the like just slipknot across the chest because you're you're right like there's there's a plethora of Slipknot shirts out there, but lots are just like super cringy, just like super metal. Oh yeah, like, or you know, and I'm like, I just want the Slipknot name, kind of like how Power Trip has just their name yep. on those shirts. But like those shirts, shirts are hard to find, mm-hmm. or will go for decent money online. Yeah. So like another thing is like I wouldn't ever boot like like a like Power Trip or anything like that. Bands right. that are like a current band. currently still doing things and like, um. It's, yeah, like, I don't believe that that's right. And, like, I know that that's a huge issue with things is that people steal people's artwork and um, they um, they just, like, print it without consent and obviously and all that stuff. Um, I think there's, like, a fine line of, like, doing that for the right reasons and, like, doing it to make money off it and kind of, like, 
that was that's never been kind of like the thing that I want to do with bootlegging. If I was ever to do, it's always make like I'll make like five shirts and sell to like my friends. Like yeah, yeah, it's not you're like not I'm, doing anything to push a dollar. No, and I don't have anything online. I'm never like making hundreds of these shirts or anything. It's always right. like one or two. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like you throwing up a like an alien design. Yeah, or and a like predator thing. And I'll like, do the horror ones because like I'm the horror ones are a little bit different. Um, the band ones I will do very very small runs right. of like um and i don't do those often because i know it's how it's purely for like shits and gigs like, yeah it's yeah. originally it was just for me so i can wear the shirt myself because and yeah. then i'll make a couple extra for people if whoever would want one but like yeah i don't go out of my way to to make bootlegs yeah yeah cool um and that was a maybe that's a great segue into this question about um you know going back to talking about bands and how they make you know money not off their music anymore but off of merch and Mm -hmm. things like that um and talking about like good design for bands so what are what are some ways that you think that bands can have good design with their merch but not be too um you know not copycat of other bands but like kind of be true to who they are because there's lots of bands that uh, or designs that are like kind of safe bets. Yeah. So or trends. I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so I f- I feel like a lot of bands that start out they they don't hire anyone to do their art or they'll just make us like a old English font of their of their logo or something like that. And uh, I think that's one way of like doing things. Like obviously that's it's a good way to start things. But if you want to do a good design and you want to you want to stand out you should hire someone to to do your logo you should hire someone to do a custom shirt for you um just to get that different and do like different artists um or have a homie that you always go to and like i guess that's a lot of like um like feeding always hits me up for shirts um they always just let me do whatever i want which i love and um they always let me design their shirts and that's one of my favorite things about them is just they they're just such good good guys and uh, did you do their logo too no so um jason barn uh barnett or barrett i think uh he uh is the vocalist of the band petrification oh okay he did their logo and he also did setbacks logo oh yeah Yeah. so um it's also yeah so he's he was one of my favorite artists but um i think that's that's just something that you should do as a band is uh get someone to do your logo and um and to hit those artists up out there and 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 get them to create things for you. And what's your opinion about, you know, uh, supporting uh, either local or Canadian artists versus, you know, artists you may have found on Instagram and they live in, you know, Texas or uh, Budapest or yeah. wherever it is? Um, yeah, I think that's like preference, I guess, is like I've never really um tried to just hit up solely just canadian artists or anything um the most artists that i follow are probably from the states honestly and um i guess like yeah i i would i would never have any preference i would just wherever they are if if i like their art i would i would hit them up yeah because it's hard to also like um you know if you have an artist like i'm sure there's been lots of times where someone's been like hey can you like they'll show you someone else's artwork and be like can you replicate this you're like well i can't like copy and paste it essentially because i because you need to do your own spin on it at yeah the end of the day 
yeah so like um out of the people that like have hit me up for actual designs like most of the time they usually just let me do what i want and that's my favorite thing is when yeah. people just like creative control yeah and they or they say they say a, a few words and they or they say a, a few like ideas i guess but they never really give you that complete kind of like we want it to look exactly like this because like i'm terrible at that yeah. i am the worst of designing things that people are looking to like where they actually what they actually want if you know what i mean like it's it's kind of hard it's a hard game because like i don't i'm i i want to be able to create things like just for what people want but um yeah i think that's just it's harder to it's hard to do that with the, my st- my, the styles that i have i guess yeah because some people like i know there's artists um like david or david quigley who he does all the album artwork for all the face down bands okay and so like all the every release that face down has it's like they're all kind of unified that way because you can recognize his artwork kind of from a mile away like he Mm -hmm. did you know means uh like war of ages like every single release that face down had from like like forever as far as i know um but yeah, I think it's it's good to support, you know, uh, people who are like in your local circle. But if you there's a specific style that oh, yeah, you yeah. want, yeah, um, yeah, like hitting up those people, and it's a good way to like connect those people too, because mm-hmm. you can use that as like a way to, you know, get your name out there in another way. Yep, true. Yeah. Um, oh, excuse me. Um, something else I wanted to ask you. Um, but 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 but. I've been like, I need to go to the bathroom, but <laughs> we're doing this podcast. So <laughs> no stop. bathroom breaks. No bathroom breaks. Um, maybe talk about uh, one thing I want to ask on the photography angle. Because um, w- you do lots of like, like you did everything hardcore related as far as I've known you, but you also, like you're a big metal head. Yeah. So more so than anything else. More so. More so than, than anything else in my life. I am the metal. <laughs> you, <laughs> the metal written by Tenacious D is about me. Um, but yeah, you film lots of metal bands, and we've definitely d- been doing a lot more metal um, releases on Scoped. Yep. I would say like pri- predominantly because of you, um, but you know, diversifying. So what's maybe a big difference? Uh, that you're kind of taking into account when you're shooting a metal band versus a hardcore band? Um, I guess with hardcore bands, like, um, I always want to just, like, obviously not be in the way of people, like, moshing and stuff. Um, so I try to stand on the side. So I guess that's kind of with metal, too. But, um, yeah, the, the different styles is more just, like, people are moshing differently, and I need to just be more aware of the different styles of that. And, like... Um, I usually just always set myself up somewhere safe and I edit pretty much the same way with metal bands and sure. hardcore bands. The, the only difference is that I get to take pictures of people doing spin kicks and jumping in the air and, and flailing to oppose the, the long haired, um, head banging style yeah. of things, which I, I love. <laughs> like he- head banging in a row. Yeah. Like... Perfect synchronized head banging. Oh my God. <laughs> um, what? Have you suffered any uh, mosh hits while taking photos? Um, I've taken blows like myself. My camera has, has thankfully never taken a hit. Um, 
I've been pretty close. Like, there's a video, if you look back at one of the mortality rate videos, um, Evan McIsaac um, does a spin kick, probably, like, it's so close. You can see, like, the kick, like, instantly. And Oh, I think, actually, for their video, if you go back and watch their video that they made, they took some of the footage that I had made. For what, climate change? I think it was climate change, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, But at the very end, he's doing the spin kick, and they slow it down, and it's just, like... Oh, is that at the trap house? No, it was at the church. Oh, I I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, but man, that was the closest I think ever. Um, I think the first but, time I yeah. filmed the <laughs> fest in Calgary, uh, Evan McIsaac was wearing an Ottawa Senators jersey. Yeah, and I was like looking back at the videos, I'm like, this guy has the best two step I've Dude, ever seen. Dude, he's the hardest mosher, honestly. Yeah. He's like, like, I want to have him as a guest on the podcast because he's got a lot of like crazy stories, like working in the mm-hmm. oil fields, and totally. he's like kind of like a dog whisperer in a way yeah I've, yeah his his dog because we were staying i was staying with uh sophia at um in vancouver for the tbk and um jose which is uh, mishi's dog yep was there and he's a rescue um so he kind of like jumps up on people sometimes he's he's great i love him mm-hmm. um super super friendly but um evan was staying i think the last night uh, before he was driving back with a friend of his and he like like jose kind of like jumped up and he like kind of held him in a certain way and mm-hmm. just like just like nope and then it was like he was totally he was the caesar after. romero yeah it was so <laughs> weird um <laughs> and like people in hardcore like love dogs so yeah that's something i definitely want to you know explore in the yeah future. we should definitely hit up evan yeah he's a cool guy yeah, I don't think I've had any like mosh hits necessarily. Yeah, um, you're usually in a pretty good spot. Honestly. Yeah, I'm usually a little bit elevated, and you're um, taller, and everyone can notice you. I'm short, and everyone just sees me as a little midget, and they just <laughs> fucking slam into me. <laughs> yeah, just like a little like wooden stump. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's like, been maybe once. I remember when I was. It was like the scoped weekend, and I was in Vancouver again for terror, and I was at the Biltmore, and it was just like tons of people like jumping right beside me, and their feet would like kind of like knock into me or kind of <laughs> like kick my camera. Yeah, I know Tristan from your problem once he was like swinging this way and kind of like it was like a love tap, just like <laughs> like it wasn't anything like crazy yeah but. yeah obviously they weren't intentionally trying yeah. to hit you yeah this is kind of the the thing that you have to deal with when you're filming this kind of stuff yeah and and you know that's a that's a huge thing that you know i guess like some like most people like recognize but you know like the value of the things that we're bringing to these shows to document them mm-hmm. um i always look at it like it's national geographic and we're going into like the wild <laughs> you know and yeah. like anything can happen really right like someone could dive someone could just like I don't know, throw a PA on you or something yeah. like, yeah, it's a chair. It's a wild world. Um, what's the, checks. what's the, yeah. What's the craziest thing you've seen? At at a show? Show? Yeah. Um, Oh, it was probably when Calgary or anywhere else. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure the only things that have ever been brought were that baseball bat dying wish set. That was, that was, <laughs> that was fucking sick. Yeah. Um, what else was there? I think there was chairs. Oh, it was when, um mor- mortality rate played with uh home wrecker and i think it was exp- one expired was still a fucking band um it was a while ago i can't remember th- the band though um 
but I think it had something to do with Jeff from the scene. I'm not sure if you're who you're, if you're aware of him. Jeff. Um, he he had passed away before you had gotten here, but um, oh okay. Yeah, he was in a band. I think I think he was the vocalist. This is before my time too, so I'm not even really sure. But uh, I just remember that set being like they had they had um, the people from that band because he was originally the vocalist, I believe. Sure. So they had someone else do vocals, and they did like a reunion kind of thing. Okay. And I just remember it just being fucking insane. And like <laughs> there, it was at the National Music Center um, when that was still a thing, and I just remember chairs just being thrown around, and it was yeah. just fucking wild. I, I, I filmed withdrawal for their 10 year anniversary and I remember it was at the daughter and shit always happens at the daughter. But, uh, speaking of chairs, I know like I have this on video too, so you can go watch this set afterwards. But, mm-hmm. um, Adam Dyson, I think a chair was getting washed around and Adam Dyson got the chair and Adam <laughs> Dyson is like known for like, before I knew him, um, my friend Brent was showing me like 1920, like that was a band he used to play in and yeah. just all his mosh calls were just so ridiculous. <laughs> um, but he grabbed a, that chair that people were moshing and he said, take a seat motherfuckers and just threw it into the pit. Sick. And just like, it just got destroyed. Oh God. That's and that's awesome. that sa- And then they also had like, um, it was a bar. So they had ledges so people can set drinks. So I think it was, um, what's his name? Um, I can't remember his name, but he jumped on stage and then like ran across it and then jumped like people like, like, Kind of where the the horseshoe in a circle pit, not a circle pit, but in a mosh pit ends. He like yeah. was jumping onto people. It was crazy. Oh my god. Um, I really need to pee. So okay. we're Take gonna give break. the mic to Jordan, oh, and he's gonna going. say his favorite mosh story. And you you'll talk I'll to him really him. quick. Yeah, it'll okay. be really quick though. We're we're just rolling with it. <laughs> okay, Jordan's gonna come in. No dead air. No dead air. No. What's up, dude? Oh, what's going on, bro? I don't know. Fuck, where's these headphones? What? What a headphone! All right, holy shit! This has got a really big head. <laughs> Yeet! Holy fuck! What's up, dude? Oh, oh, what's what's going on? Uh, I was behind the camera. Now I'm in front of the camera. Oh shit! I'm the worst uh, camera ops person ever. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's hear your favorite uh your mosh your favorite mosh story, if you well, have one. <laughs> Um, I guess when Scope started, the, uh, was it Western Front? Uh, Speaking of chairs, chair got thrown in the pit, got (laughs) smashed, and one band, I think it might have been Worldview? Probably, yeah. Probably Worldview. Threw chains into the middle of the pit? Yeah. (laughs) And then someone took it, started spinning it around like crazy. (laughs) Uh, that was my first fest, actually. That I've ever seen. Cool. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but they uh, smashed the chandelier. Oh yeah, shit! They whipped and it up. And there was just glass everywhere. Oh yeah. Middle fuck. of the set, bar hand has to come <laughs> out and start sweeping glass up while people are spinning around. <laughs> yeah. That's that cool. was. I was gonna actually say that behind the camera over there. Yeah. I, was I totally like, forgot oh, about I'm that. Say anything. We should give the AV person a, a, a mic. Yeah, if you want to give me a mic, I'll like pop in every like. Where we at? I'll pop in every 46 minutes. <laughs> it's my time now. Yeah. The Jordan segment of the podcast is over. Yeah, if you need any research, I'll just come in and do it. Okay. No dead air. No dead air. None. Dead. By the way, your head's really big. Oh. Nice head, bro. Thanks, bro. Did I miss anything important? I just couldn't hold it. 
now I know. Unbelievable. Now I know for other uh, recordings to go to the bathroom first. Yeah, but haven't you seen Endgame yet? No, I actually haven't. Oh. But there, there is a. I have Man. seen the. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like someone could be watching this like after the. Actually, that we're allowed to officially post spoilers apparently uh, after this who? weekend. The Russo brothers, the people that directed it. Oh, do it. It's okay. been two weeks. People are like, if you Has haven't seen it yet. Two weeks. Yeah. Oh, weird. <sighs> I don't. Great time. I'm plug. so behind on movies. God damn it. You watch movies a lot. I love movies. What's your What's your favorite all time movie? Uh, that's a hard question, but um, probably the the thing or Alien. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, why? Um, old school effects are like one of my favorite things. Um, the thing is like perfect example of that. Um, John Carpenter, just his whole style and like the alien side of things like just the sci-fi gore the the monsters in it are insane um the story is cool it's just an overall like perfect fucking movie that's sweet yeah. i like uh back to the future like the the series that's my favorite that's i have a flux capacitor tattoo that that's i got sick. on back to the future day fuck yeah i didn't know there's actual back to future day oh i guess that's the day that they yeah, travel it's right? the day that they travel into the future so I, it's the fuck i'm gonna like hate myself for not knowing that okay i know it's the it's like october 23rd 2015 yeah yeah that sounds right or 20 27th or something but i like i was a big nerd and i planned it like on the hour like (laughs) this is what i want to be getting tattooed (laughs) and uh yeah i looked it up and not a lot of people like there was a couple other people but not as big of a tattoo i want to get a lot smaller but the guy was like 21st well, everyone on the podcast now is like, you're not a true fan. What a poser. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just joking. I didn't even go to Comic-Con to see them because I was just too busy. Yeah. But yeah, if it didn't. I think it's more like I I need to meet Christopher Lloyd before he dies. It's just one of those things. It's like you're old and you don't have many more years to live. Yeah. Let's see what's back in the future. Hey. hey. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> um one thing I wanted to talk to you about as well. Um you you have been vegetarian for just over a year now? Yeah, like this is the 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 first year. Yeah, just the year anniversary, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you posted it was just like a couple days ago. Yeah, it was yeah. in May that I had switched last year. Yeah. And that's like a a big thing. Um you know, outside of just like normal normal people culture of you know vegetarian options and yep. veganism, um, it's definitely bigger in hardcore in oh, punk. Oh hell yeah! So maybe talk about how you made that decision and you know one of the benefits uh, or like your experience over the past year. Sure. Um, yeah. So I guess um, it just kind of started with me always wanting to. I've always kind of wanted to be a vegetarian. My mom's a vegetarian. She's vegan, actually. Oh, okay. um, so she's been vegan for a while. Um, so she would always just make crazy vegetarian dishes, and I was never super into, like, vegetables or anything. I was always a meat guy. I fucking loved meat. Yeah. I just always did. Um, but in your house, it was always, like, 
veggie. She would make city. meat options still, oh, and okay. make That's her, she'd make herself the veggie stuff. But like, there's always some sort of meat thing. Like, because my dad would eat meat, I'd meet my sister would eat meat. Um, when we so were so she was the only there. one in the house. Yeah. At the time. Oh, okay. At the time. Interesting. Um, and then, yeah, I guess like, she works at a the Humane Society. So I've always just like growing up, we've had animals. I've always loved animals. Um. It's just always been an issue with me with the way that um, cert- like the certain industries do things with um, just like the, the way that they do things is absolutely just horrendous. And it's just something that's just always bothered me. And when I ate meat, I just I don't know, I'd, I guess I would just look past it. And then eventually I just yeah, it just got to me. And um, the girlfriend, my girlfriend that I had at the time, um, she was vegetarian, so we'd do things and we would she would get vegetarian options and then it was kind of weird just me eating meat all the time so sure that was part of the reason um one of the reasons yeah just me wanting to to make a change in my life and um try to be healthier um was one of the big things yeah and yeah you did it on a you're in vancouver and you're yes we were on a trip in vancouver and i was just like fuck it i'm just gonna cold turkey try it right now because i'd I like didn't did like the recent. I had recently quit cigarettes as well, like mm-hmm. a year before that. Yeah, clean um, Yeah, so I'm trying to clean up a bit. Um, just be not a slobbery piece of shit. I still am, but like, <laughs> um, not as much, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That's why we're drinking the Guru today. Guru. This this post is sponsored by Guru. Yeah, we actually did a big shout out to them at the beginning, but we had to redo and adjust some audio. Yeah, because I think that's super interesting. Because. I don't know, seeing um, either certain musicians who are vegan post about that on Instagram or, yep. you know, people writing about their music or, you know, just seeing bands who are like, we're a vegan band or we're a straight edge band. So you get a lot of like of those messages, you know, For sent sure. to you. Yeah. And I was thinking about it on the way here on how there's a lot of, um, you know, stuff in society where it's kind of like forced down your throat and it's more of a... Um, just like a like a personal not a personal choice but like whether it's like a belief system or things like that mm-hmm. while a lot of the straight edge or veganism stuff or vegetarianism is more like conviction based yeah so it's like um you know i'm sharing this because of how i feel about the industry or you know like on a straight edge pr- perspective like you know like lots of like someone in my life was an alcoholic or whatever it is. Um, I know by your choice to go vegetarian, that got me thinking um, just on like the cold turkey aspect. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this myself for a week. And I've been doing that ever since. And that's, that's always been interesting. Yeah. It's especially vegetarian is easy. Vegetarian is, is very easy. Like you almost think like, oh, how could I live without meat? But then you like, there's so many fucking th- options, man. It's just like, yeah, you're you're dumb if you can't see how awesome like just eating vegetarian things is. Like, it's crazy what you can do. Yeah, and I think like that's something that I don't know. At least for me, growing up, it was always like um, pushing like the meat and potatoes, like yeah, kind of the staple. Yeah, food because <laughs> at least for me, growing up, like I didn't like veggies necessarily yeah like, me neither. i would i'd be like i eat four carrots that counts i was a s- steak and potatoes guy yeah that's like what i ate fucking 
I was. And a there are still guy, people dude. to this day that are like ninety years old that are just eating, you know, like meatloaf and yeah, just like meat, potatoes. Yeah, um, it's kind of a gross word too. Meat. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, what are some of your favorite vegetarian dishes? Ooh, um, I love like n- like Asian inspired dishes um like stir fries stir fries um all sorts of stuff i love like mexican stuff like burritos and um greek stuff i love like uh falafel falafel oh my god falafel is the fucking best Um, that's some of my favorite stuff um and just like eating vegetables again just like i was always never into that kind of stuff and like you put like, any vegetable in front of me except for tomato. I fucking hate those things. You hate tomatoes? I hate tomatoes. Like even ketchup? I, I'll eat ketchup. That is tomatoes. Yeah, but it's different. <laughs> I feel like that's that was Great. like taste, me when I was 12 years old. Take a bite out of tomato and then take a sip of ketchup. They're different. <laughs> they taste – one tastes like shit. One tastes like salty goodness. <laughs> well, it's also like, you know, Heinz ketchup is essentially just sugar yeah. with food coloring. Um, that's something that I've been watching too. Is like how much sugar I take into things. Yeah. Like you yep. you eat something, it's like, why does this taste so good? And you look, and you're like, oh, there's like there's 30 grams sugar. of sugar in this. <laughs> like this guru. Yeah. What is it? This is organic. Well, this is 21, but it's organic sugar, supposedly. Oh, okay. Yeah. It says certified vegan, gluten free. Oh. We're do- we're doing all these shoutouts for Guru, and we're like giving them free advertisement. <laughs> Uh, this post is sponsored by Guru. If you don't, no, it's not. You don't drink Guru. No, it's not. Fuck you. <laughs> that should be their new slogan. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think, I think there's lots of pros. I found, for me, like um, I'm pretty like energy deficient, so I feel like fatigued all the time, and yeah, like not eating meat. Um, I think it's it boils down to like conscious like meal prep and what you're actually putting into your body because sometimes it's just like i'm hungry and then you get a burger at mcdonald's and then you're like what did i actually put into my body yeah and yeah so how much planning do you do on a daily basis for like making meals um because it is easier nowadays to like go out and you know like i i grabbed a beyond meat burger on the way here Mm -hmm. um but you know I'll be straight up. I'm the worst fucking vegetarian ever. <laughs> I can't give advice on this subject. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm lazy. Just working. Been, I used to work in the kitchen, right? Like in at BP's. Right. So shout out to BP's. Shout out to BP's. Um, pizza burgers. Please sponsor us. S- sponsor. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've just I was always cooking all the time, and that just kind of just I never wanted to cook at home. I was right. horrible at that. Um, I still don't really do it. Um, but I just don't like A and W is my jam. Yeah. I, it's not, I don't eat there every day, but like I, I go, I go and I eat, I eat out a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, I, I would say I get beyond meat burgers more than a, I'd like to. How many times a week? Oh, that's really tough. <laughs> Cause I don't want to say like, I'm, I don't feel lie like to if, us. Well, I, I, feel, I, I feel like if I tell the truth, then my wife will be upset. It's like, oh, you're, you're spending that much on Beyond Meat How much do we want to know? No. no. <laughs> um, I think, like, average 
probably like two, three I, times. I think twice a week is. Yeah, I definitely easy. hit an AMW. I think twice a week. Have you have you done the breakfast sandwich one? I have. Oh the, yeah, we have talked about. Yeah, this. I didn't like it very much. Yeah, you said it was like. It's dry. It was dry. Maybe the one I had was dry as fuck. Yeah. But, yeah. but I I think like really recently they started selling Beyond Meat in the actual stores. Yeah, so I think you can go in and actually get it in like in barbecue. Yeah, it's up. in like the section of meat too. I think. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, and I think that's like, it's definitely you know certain vegan friends that you and I have like posting a lot. Like mm-hmm. I'm not one to post stuff or like say anything. Uh, that's just not something that I feel like convicted to do. Yeah. But um, you know, I I I get to headline read sometimes you know what's happening in the meat industry and i think there's a lot of pressure being put on it yeah just like how but i'm just surprised on how a lot of people will see it and they are still like skeptical about it like skeptical about or just like oh have you had that beyond meat burger and i'm like i have one like you know two times a week sometimes like it's i think i even have it had it before i started eating vegetarian and it's like oh wow this this tastes like meat yeah, it's the consistency of it is weird because it's like it's still juicy, you know. It's not like a veggie burger. Yeah. Where it's like kind of grainy, kind of just dry almost. Right. Um, it has that like juice to it. Like it's almost it has that consistent consistency of meat, so it's cool. Yeah, and it tastes good. And yeah, because like an animal. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing for me is like recognizing like any type of meat that you eat is like there's some animal that has died slaughtered for it. and yeah. died for it yeah, yeah. and I, not humanely too it's mm-hmm. just like it's just the worst conditions for these these animals and it's just it's just something that's not that doesn't fly with me and, and i just don't i don't i don't I, yeah i don't agree with that shit have you I, I i think you you've mentioned you've thought about going vegan yeah so where where's your head space with that uh, it's the worst it's the worst to try to think about it because sometimes i don't know it's 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 hard it's so much harder to do vegan than uh, people are gonna give me shit for, for saying that but like it it, it is hard well, like to it do. it is it is it's it's a different step than vegetarian because you have to you really have to be conscious of everything like you're the products you buy, the um, the food that you buy, obviously. And, like, I, yeah, I just think so it's a lot other... easier to be like, does this have meat in it, yes or no? Or you can kind of tell right away versus does this have, you know, milk, eggs? Like, there's so many, mm-hmm, there's so many other finer factors. ingredients yeah. for a lot of things. And I, th- I, I love people that, that are vegan. I think that's one of the, the best things that you can do. And I think it's, um, it's, I think it's a, great, a great thing. I just it's something that I will probably eventually do. Like I will always go to my way. If there's a vegan option, just, just get that instead of the whatever option. Right. So it's like, I'm already doing steps in, in towards that. It's just like, I, um, I guess just like eating cheese and, um, and eggs and stuff like that, which is, which is still really bad because the dairy industry is equally as shitty as the meat industry. Oh, hundred percent. Um, and that, that's, that's a big issue still. So I don't know. I think eventually I'll just get there. I just haven't taken the steps yet because I'm just, yeah. Yeah, I think that there's certain things like, like I think it goes back to just like consciously like knowing what you're, you know, purchasing or like what you're putting into your body. Yeah. Because I think 
um, like, I think from, like, I'm a big coffee drinker, and I normally only drink my coffee black, but, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, like, Bryn, my wife, will do, like, mocha, so, like, we rarely have, like, milk mm-hmm. or anything in the house, but, like, sometimes we'll have that, so you can make her a mocha or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, like, never have, like, a glass of milk with dinner or anything yeah, like no, that. Yeah, no, no. Like, it's gross. Yeah. Now, yeah. looking back at it, like, drinking milk is nasty. Yeah. Like, I would, I don't go to my way to drink milk. Yeah. But it is, like, an ingredient for, and, like, like with anything, there's, you know, substitutes. Like, I think, um, I, I saw, like, oat, like, oat milk is yeah. uh, kind of, like, a bigger trend right now. Nut um, milk. Nut milk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> coconut milk. There, there's so many. Um, but I think it's the way our society is kind of heading. Right yeah. Now. And I think it's, I think it's a really positive thing. I think, uh, I think the only people that are upset by that need to really give their head a shake because it's something that's, that's good. It's dropping like emissions down, like just being a vegetarian or vegan, you're, you're doing so much. And a lot of people will say that oh you're you're just being vegetarian or you're vegan you're not doing anything actually to to actually change anything it's like yeah we are you're literally not like um you're not providing money for any of these companies you're not they're slaughtering animals like it's it's something that just by making a small change like that you you really are making an impact on on the world and people that are that think otherwise are just ignorant in my opinion do you want to plug Anything before we wrap up the show? Um, make sure you follow and subscribe to Scoped Exposure. And Please. Please. Um, yeah. Shoutouts to fucking Jesus for being a roundup dude. You don't want to plug any of your actual stuff? Like your ritual threads, snake pit. Oh, yeah. I'm in Snake Pit now, so yeah, do that. Yeah. Go follow Snake Pit. We're, we're going to play shows soon. There you go. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Scoped Exposure podcast named To Be Determined. Fuck yeah. Please subscribe, and I will... I'm, I'm curious if this actually comes out. We'll see. Okay. I'm down. Okay. Cool. Thanks Thanks for being on the show, Cole. Thank you. Was it a good time? It was, it was fun. It was fun? Yes. Are you just saying that for the recording? It was horrible. Okay. <laughs> okay, thanks for listening. Okay, see ya.